you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Welcome. I'm your host, Susan Rosen. Today, we're talking about sleep and how important it is for all of us. As those of us over 50, and I include myself in that, of course, know very well, it can sometimes seem like, as with everything else, our quality of sleep is not as good as it used to be when we were younger. There are a variety of reasons for that. One is that as we get older, actually this means anyone over 40, we are not as efficient at sleeping, just like we're not as efficient at doing other things as well. But we I digress. People say that we don't need as much sleep, but actually they're wrong. And the scientists are proving that. Some of the issues are that we don't get into as deep a sleep, that we tend to have to get up during the night to go to the bathroom. So that breaks our sleep. And our brains are not as good at storing and processing new information as our younger selves were. We also aren't as efficient in releasing human growth hormone into our system while we sleep. It's during deep stage sleep that our body does all of its cleaning up, as well as the organizing and consolidating. That's what they call when we put processes and information together in our brain and practicing what we've learned that day, which is really interesting to know that what we have learned during the day, our brain then when we're asleep practices it and that's how it remembers it. I never knew that. Some of the other things your body does during sleep is that it lowers your blood pressure, which allows your heart and blood vessels time to rest. It lowers your blood sugar level, which helps protect you from type 2 diabetes. It kills harmful bacteria and viruses, which is really interesting. And it reduces inflammation and specifically C-reactive protein, which is linked to, among other things, rheumatoid arthritis, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, heart disease, and even some kinds of cancers. I had never been aware that our body did that much while we were sleeping. It's really pretty incredible. I know for myself that overall, I do feel better now than when I used to sleep an average of five and a half to six and a half hours a night when I was younger and working full time for someone else. Now I get seven to eight hours. And I know that since I've been working for myself and my hours are my own to set, that I can make sure that I get seven to eight hours of sleep. It has made a huge difference to my health, my brain, and my overall life. The negative ramifications of not getting enough good productive sleep are many. And just a few of them are weight gain, which it turns out it's related to an increase in hunger and appetite due to incre increased 
can't talk today. Increased ghrelin, G-H-R-E-L-I-N, which is something that I only learned about a few months ago as well. It's a peptide that makes us hungry. And decreased leptin, which is also a peptide, but that one makes us feel full. So we eat more when we're tired is essentially what it means. Heart disease and heart attacks are something else that it's related to. The next things are strokes, diabetes, depression, and anxiety, which makes sense because most of those are all related to in some way to your brain. Impaired judgment is related to not enough good sleep, along with learning, reasoning, concentration, and problem solving. Problems with memory creation and recall, boy, I can attest to that one. And it's been linked to motorcycle, or excuse me, automobile crashes, I'm sure motorcycle as well. The most interesting thing that I found is that it's also linked to skin aging because our bodies release more cortisol, which is a stress hormone, which breaks down collagen, which we need to keep our skin smooth and elastic. So who knew? If you need any further proof, sleep deprivation played a role, they've shown, in the Chernobyl meltdown, the nuclear accident at Three Mile Island, as well as the Exxon Valdez spill. And if you're as old as I am, you will remember all of those. Okay, so let's change gears and we'll look at ways to get to sleep and stay asleep longer. We're going to start by talking about diet and food. And first off, let's talk about alcohol. And a little bit of alcohol probably would relax you. Maybe it'll help you to fall asleep. But drinking too much alcohol may make you fall asleep even faster. I'd call it passing out. But it also wakes you up. When the alcohol wears off, then it interrupts your sleep. And the other part that it does is it interrupts the sleep cycles that our brain needs to go through. So drinking too much or too close to bedtime also can make us snore, which will do the same thing. It's going to wake us up. And that, again, is going to interfere, interfere with getting good sleep. If you have heartburn or if you eat a lot of spicy foods, you probably want to refrain or finish before about three or four hours before you go to sleep. So the food has time to digest and it's not stuck in your stomach, which would tend to cause heartburn even if you don't usually have heartburn. There are a couple of things that can help you get ready for sleep and keep you asleep. Those two things are melatonin and magnesium. Melatonin, which you've probably heard of, is actually a hormone that's released from your pineal gland. When it senses that it's getting dark, that's when it starts to get produced. It doesn't actually help you get to sleep. It just tells your body that it's time to go to sleep and it makes you feel sleepy. The melatonin release starts to slow down once you're asleep and completely shuts off when your eyes sense that the sun is coming up and it sees the light, the sunlight at dawn. Some foods that have melatonin in them that you might want to eat 
to help you start getting sleepy if it's late and you're feeling wide awake. I'm sure you know that feeling. The foods that have it the most are tart cherries, oats, bananas, honey, and walnuts. There are also some melatonin supplements that you can buy, but you need to make sure that you're using one that's been shown to have the amount of melatonin in it that it says on the bottle. And I'll mention a couple of those in the show notes and, of course, on my website's resources page. Magnesium works differently from melatonin in that it can help us to calm our bodies and our minds. And it's especially helpful with nighttime muscle and leg cramps. I use it for this. You can get it from food. Most green vegetables like spinach, kale, and chard have it, along with some nuts and seeds like almonds, pumpkin, and flax, plus beans, rice, and quinoa, dark chocolate, tuna, bananas, and avocados all have pretty good amounts of magnesium. If you need more than those foods can provide you with, then you can also get magnesium from supplements, similarly to melatonin. But there are a lot of different types of magnesium, and you particularly have to watch out for the citrate and oxide because they can give you the runs if you take too much. But if you have a problem of constipation, then you might want to take some of that. It can kind of do double duty and make you more regular at the same time it helps you sleep at night. Magnesium glycinate and L-threonate are very good at getting into your system and they won't affect your bowels. L-threonate in particular is one of the few that gets through the blood vein blood-brain barrier, and that's a positive because your brain, just like the rest of your body, needs magnesium to function well and to stay healthy. So you might want to look at some of the magnesium vitamins that have a combination of different types so you don't have to spend a lot of time mixing and matching different forms yourself. You can check out my website's resources page for that as well for some recommendations on brands and where to find them. We're going to move on and talk about our bedroom or sleep space. If you can, the first thing is don't work in your bedroom. Because if you are used to working in your bedroom or your sleep space, you're going to still be worrying about it when you go to sleep. And also try to keep it free of work-related electronics like laptops, cell phones, tablets, because you don't want them coming on in the middle of the night and waking you up, and you don't want dings and emails and messages or texts as well waking you up. If you can't leave your electronics in a different room, then be sure that you turn them all the way off before you go to sleep, and not just in sleep mode. The other part of that is to keep any blue light to a minimum, which is what all of our screens emit, as well as all of the light bulbs and those kinds of things that we have and use during the evening. So that's because the blue light is the daylight spectrum. And when your eyes see it, it tells your brain that it's supposed to be awake and not supposed to be sleepy and not supposed to be sleeping. And with all of our light bulbs and electronics and everything else that we have that's got blue light shining on us all day and all night, it really screws up our circadian rhythms 
and it screws up our brains because our brains don't know whether they should be going to sleep or staying awake. There are some blue blocking glasses that you can get from your optician with your own prescription, or you can find some on the internet or at any of the stores that carry sunglasses or reading glasses. There are even some computer glasses now that you can get that block either part of it or all of it. And I've seen glasses on Amazon that start at less than $10, so they're really not very expensive, and they're not bad looking either. The other thing is that you want to keep your bedroom or your sleeping room cool, somewhere around 60 to 67 degrees Fahrenheit, because that will help you get uninterrupted sleep, because your body likes being cool, not cold, though. Also keep it quiet if you can. If you hear traffic or other noise, get a white noise machine. You can block out most kinds of outside noises, whether it's traffic or the garbage guy or whatever. And if you're someone who grew up sleeping with a lot of noise, you may want to try and retrain yourself to like the quiet a little bit better because it's probably a little bit better for your brain. Most importantly, get a bed that's comfortable, that stays cool and supports you. If you're gonna buy a new bed, you wanna look for something that has a generous return or exchange policy because the only way to really know if you like it is to sleep on it for at least a month and see how you feel. You'll know soon enough if it's gonna work for you or not. And a lot of the bed companies these days, whether it's brick and mortar or on Amazon or someplace like that, that you buy a bed, they do have returned and return and refund policies. You can also, if you're interested in some recommendations, you can check my website in the blog section as well as the site's resources page for more about beds and a few suggestions for beds that I know people really like a lot. Last, let's talk about exercise and how important that is as a part of your overall health. And it's also very important in helping us get better sleep. Obviously, don't do a lot of vigorous exercise right before you want to go to sleep because that's going to wake your body and your mind up rather than relaxing it. There was a 2010 study by Northwestern University of middle-aged and older adults. And they found that aerobic exercise resulted in the most dramatic improvement in patients' reported quality of sleep, including sleep duration compared to any other non-pharmacological intervention. So what they're talking about, it was better than anything that wasn't a sleeping pill. One more reason to get out and get moving because exercise is something that every doctor and every scientist points to for so many different health issues. And obviously, it's important for sleeping as well. So I hope you've gotten the message that good productive sleep is probably one of, if not the most important thing you can do and should do to stay healthy especially if you're over 50, because our bodies are not as efficient at doing anything as they used to be, which we all can attest to. And as always, 
Remember that I'm not a doctor and whatever I talk about on this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Please like and leave me a comment wherever you listen to the show, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, so on and so forth. Also, take a look at my website, healthytipsafter50.com for some additional information. I've got some blogs up that tell you a little bit more about sleep and some of the other podcast subjects that I have talked about. And tell me what you like about my show. Tell me any tips that you found to help you sleep better. I really look forward to hearing from you and be assured that I do read all of the comments I receive. There is also a free ebook on my website if you're looking for additional healthy tips. And that, I think, is it for today's show. I will look forward to talking to all of you next week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit healthytipsafter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.